0: There's still a stigma in our culture about mental health, that something is wrong with us if we're sad or depressed or whatnot. So I think that's, you know, re-educating a whole culture. Right. Self-love is saying, I need help. I need support. Healing comes through connection. And often if we don't know how to heal ourselves, and many times we don't know how, we need another source. God, a friend, a professional, you know, a family member or whatnot to help us through it. Are you burned out, overwhelmed, not managing stress well? Have you lost that fire for a profession that you loved? Are you a physician that trained over a decade for a career you now resent? I'm Dr. V and I'm a burnout survivor. I call myself the Harriet Tubman of healthcare because I'm free and I'm coming back to get you so you can be free too. Let's move from fed up to fixing it. Although I'm a doctor, this does not make me your doctor. The information on the podcast, including opinions and recommendations, is intended for informational and educational purposes only. Such information is not intended to be a substitute for the advice of an appropriately qualified and licensed physician or other healthcare provider. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Office Visits with Dr. V. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Benita Vernado, board-certified OBGYN and board-certified lifestyle medicine physician. And you can just call me Dr. V. Welcome to Office Visits. This is the place where we're going to educate, we're going to laugh, we're going to learn. And my goal is that you will learn something that will allow you to advance your health journey Towards mental and physical health that will serve you. Uh, And as I like to say now, that we will put, we'll add more years to your life, but we will add more life to your years. Uh, So we are expanding, guys. We are growing. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. Now we're on TikTok and YouTube. So please, please, please uh, subscribe and like. Leave us a good review. Uh, If you have any feedback, you can also share that with us as well. Uh, and also office visits with drv.com if you want to reach out to me or if you want to learn more about my guest. Obviously, all of our information is thorough and it's in the show notes. So guys, you know I'm working on lifestyle medicine and we're talking about uh, mental health today and we're talking about love and we're talking about wellness and I have a wonderful guest. Uh, You guys know I don't just bring anybody on. I don't just bring anybody on and we are, we're on similar paths. We have a similar focus, similar interest, and so it is my pleasure to introduce to you all Nicole Michelle Apple, Ph.D. Nicole Michelle Apple, Ph.D. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, Dr. V. It is such a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm finally glad to get you here on the podcast. Absolutely. And I know we're, we're Dr. Love now. So uh, before we get into that, let me just have you introduce yourself to my guests and tell them more about yourself and what you do. Okay, so my name is Nicole Michelle Apple, and otherwise known as Dr. Love. Currently, I am a teaching professor at the Pennsylvania State University. I teach writing and rhetoric. Uh, My specialties are in literature and criticism, and I often look at the intersections of sexuality and spirituality, and looking at health and wellness and um, the state of flourishing for a holistic lens. Mm -hmm. I also have a private practice in which I do counseling and coaching, um, and a lot of healing, holistic healing arts as well. So I'm a practitioner too, in that sense. Yeah, so you're a practitioner, and I know we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about trauma and healing. But one thing I love about your message is that love is really integral to to what you share and are promoting. Tell us a little bit about why love is so integral to our physical and mental health. It's really been a process of my own, just personal transformation. You know, we're all familiar with love. We all know what it is. We throw the word around all the time. But as I've gotten older and have experienced more, the depth and the true truth that love is, the understanding of it has just grown and grown. Mm. And, you know, my view of our world is that nothing is absolute. We are changing. Our bodies change. Our cells change. Nature changes. Our whole galaxy is in this flux of constant change, but love is absolute. Mm. And God is love. Mm. So when you think in algebra, is means equals. It's, both sides are the same as. So God is love. Therefore, love is the only absolute. Mm. Wow. And it, yeah, it, it grounds everything. It infuses everything. And that's what makes us feel alive. Now you're really you're Doctor Love for real for real right? You're not just because you talk about love. You're not calling yourself Doctor Love. Is that correct? You know, I that that name is also for me. Yeah. You know, it, it's to, it's a banner, it's a mantra for me as well that this is who I am. This is what I need to hold on to. Um, mm-hmm. This is what I want to spread. Yeah. This is what I want to teach people about. This is what I want people to experience. So you really have an interesting story. Um, Usually, and, and like myself, you know, we're young, we go to college, we get our education in at first, and then we go off into the wild, wild west and live happily ever after. But your story didn't actually start like that. So tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of your evolution story and how that led you to where you are today. Yeah. So I got married when I was 19. Um, Now that my daughters are older than 19, I can hardly believe that. (laughs) I was (laughs) young. Yeah, So I got married. Um, I had my first child when I was 22 and had, let's see, four more babies after that. I was very, very blessed and privileged to be a stay-at-home mom. Mm. so my husband worked um he had his company I did his book work um, bookkeeping and whatnot and I homeschooled my children um, had lots of help so I firmly believe you know and if you're able to get as much help as you can I think that I have hired every one of my relatives and friends that I could <laughs> <laughs> one way or another it's <laughs> what that business in mind too you know yeah um And then when my son was 18, uh, he had an appointment at a a college, actually at Penn State, where I'm from, where we still live, with the registrar's office, and to talk about him enrolling at Penn State. And I went with him, and after the meeting, we walked out, and he said, you know, Mom, I just don't think that's for me, college. Mm -hmm. And I left thinking... It is for me. I'm going. And <laughs> it's and I did. That was in the spring. I was 40, and I went to college. And wow. i look back. I went to college. It's so, right. so what was it when you said that is for me? I mean, you're 40 years old, mother of five. You've been a stay-at-home mom. What you enjoy and love? What was it about that experience? And what made you think that you could go back to school at 40? Because I know the culture wasn't saying go back to school at 40. Well, let me answer the first or respond to this, the last part first. I never had it in my mind that I couldn't do it. All right. I like I'm that. A, I'm a voracious, um, voracious learner. I'm yeah, so curious. I I, a lot of it stems from my reading. You know, I've always read my entire life and I've always taught mm. in one way or another. I had led women's groups since, gosh, what, 25 years ago. So I, and then I've led teen girl groups for teen girls. So I was an educator at heart um, my entire life. And I saw um, going to college as a way to not just get a really good foundation, but also to broaden my influence. So, you know, self-care is something that we hear a lot about these days. People are like, oh, I went and got a massage or, oh, I got my nails done. And, and they feel like that self-care. Do you necessarily agree with that? And if not, what does self-care look like to you, Dr. Love? I absolutely agree with that. I love to get a massage. I love to, to get my nails done. But that, I don't want to say superficial, but there's so much more. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's that and. Like that. And if I could say maybe in a sentence about self-love, it's really taking the time and the energy and the space to nurture your soul and your body and your spirit. Mm -hmm. So for my listeners, how can they do that? How can they nurture their soul and their spirit? I would start out with if someone doesn't know how they rejuvenate, how they re-energize, like that's a fundamental component to our lives. But often we get so busy, you know, being the mom and being the professional and all of the activity outward that we forget about recharging. And we do it in different ways. You know, that's very unique. Okay. Um, introverts recharge by, when they're by themselves. And extroverts recharge when they're with others. So I think that would be the very first fundamental step is how do you recharge? And once you realize that and stop and know that, make space and time for that to happen. Okay. So I've heard this a lot. Some people who we think are extroverts are really introverts. And some introverts we think are extroverts. So... I know in the culture, it's kind of popular to know whether you're an introvert or extrovert. So how exactly could you identify who you are so that you can make sure that you're recharging the correct way? Yeah, and that is so true, um, what you just said. I mean, our culture thinks that if someone is lively and talkative and social, they're extroverts, but Mm -hmm. that is not the case necessarily. Right. For me, maybe people can understand, maybe through, through my personal stories, I would go to Walmart and I would be exhausted. Just the trip from Walmart. You know, a lot of it I think is the fluorescent lights, but I think just being out there. I teach. So when I'm teaching my classes, I give it my all. I'm I'm performing, I'm being me, I'm putting out the energy and I'm exhausted by the end of the day. Mm. So I think that for someone to ask themselves... When do they feel most inspired? When do they feel most themselves and rested and recharged? When I, when I mean recharged, is when do you have a vibrancy for life? Mm. You know, it, are you by yourself and, and then you, you feel like you charge your batteries and you're ready to go? Or is it with other people? And I'm actually. Oh, Dr. V, to be really honest, I am the most outgoing, assertive person I know. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. But I'm an introvert. Mm-hmm. And I often say, like, I have to defrag, like, our computers. You know, so we have a million tabs open or maybe 37. Oh, <laughs> oh, wait. Is that what that's called? When you close out the tabs, you're defragging, <laughs> Not just the tabs. When you close it all down and you're oh, like, tab. damn. Yeah, you close it down, you let your phone or that computer, like, reset, right? Gotcha. Okay. That's a a good analogy. Yeah, and and we need to do that for ourselves as well. I love when you say vibrancy, um, because that is, that's what I'm trying to get people to understand, that that's capable, and that's what we need to be doing in our lifetime, because it's really integral to our health and our wellness. When you're not vibrant and you're dragging, you know, that doesn't feel good. And mentally, I don't think it is a boost at all. So tell me what being vibrant looks like to you. What does that feel like Um, so that our listeners can say, you know what? I want some of that, too. Living a vibrant life and being vibrant is when you're being your authentic self and And living your fullest life. Mm. with energy, with passion, with excitement, with joy. Sadly, so many people have never experienced that, nor do I think they even know what that is. So if we want to talk about self-care, maybe we could kind of diverge into hurt and trauma and healing. Yeah, yeah. I just had a thought as a gynecologist, and I think some women who are listening can relate. You know, some women have never had an orgasm and it is a wonderful, wonderful yeah. feeling. Um, and we have to educate ourselves, learn about ourselves and our bodies to really get to that state. But first we have to know that it exists and we are capable of doing it. And I, I say orgasm and that ta- that's sex. And so as an OBGYN What I have seen is I've seen a lot of women who've had trauma. Uh, The current statistic is one out of four women will be or will have been sexually um, assaulted in some form or fashion, uh, one out of four. And that's a trauma that a lot of women um, will never talk about. And as an OBGYN, I pick it up because I'm doing a very sensitive exam that may trigger some of those memories. Tell us um the work that you've done around uh, trauma and self-healing and um how how important that may be for the listeners. Oh, it's a lot to unpack.
1: And it, it is, is.
0: heavy. And and let me just say before I start there is healing and there is hope for healing and it does exist. You know, you you just That's mentioned good. about women and, and you know, statistics show that a lot of women think that they've orgasmed maybe once, right? I mean, you don't know what you don't know, right. right? So that's always imperative, you know, for for us to speak and say, but it does exist. Have hope, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. And adding to that statistic, um, the United States Department of Health and Human Services states that up to ninety nine. Percent of women in the public mental health you know getting help have been traumatized have been traumatized in one way or another mm. and even though you know one in four is still too much I mean, I think that sexual exploitation and sexual abuse they are pandemic right it's, you know in and in a negative pejorative way it's imminent, yeah, yeah. You know, 25% of american women will, will experience that and yet exploitation it's everywhere i mean i don't think there's one of us um who haven't haven't been exploited and men too right men absolutely men so, own- give me give me some i need to know more about that because if you ask me if i thought i had been sexually exploited i wouldn't say i had been so Fill me in. Well, what does that look like when you've been sexually, when you are being or have been sexually exploited? Well, I think our American culture is so over sexualized, even though no one really talks about the greatness of sex too much, right? It's in our face everywhere. I mean, starting with Disney shows for little kids. So exploited to me would be oh. Walking in a parking lot and having men stare at you because you know your your breasts, your shirt still shows your breasts. Mm. Mm. Okay, it can be as simple as okay. One. Okay, well then I've been sexually exploited. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, you know? yeah, absolutely. Okay, all right. So when we have these traumas, and and I have an answer for this, but I really would like to get your input, Doctor Love. When we have these traumas and we don't deal with them and we don't go down that journey of healing, how does it show up in our lives? What things are happening that are a result of this trauma um, that we might not be aware of? Yeah. Could I just first lay out a definition of trauma? Please do. Please do. So, that's what I've studied in my, in my work is trauma. And I've studied it in interdisciplinary means. So it depends on who, like what field they're in. That's the definition they give. So medical doctors talk more about the physiology of trauma. You know, psychologists talk more about the psyche and relational aspect of trauma and whatnot. This definition here, I I love, so I'm actually going to read it. It's from uh, our U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and it states that trauma results from an event, series of events, or set of circumstances that is experienced by an individual as physically or emotionally harmful or threatening and has lasting adverse effects on the individual's functioning and physical, social, emotional, or spiritual well-being. Mm. well, right? That's comprehensive. Yes. So trauma isn't the events. It's how that we, our bodies, our, our whole, I, I like to say soul, experience it. And again, okay. that's a very individualistic thing. Okay. Um, so Now I need to go back to your question. Yeah. So if we don't deal with the trauma, how does it show up? Yes. Yeah. So whenever our souls, our bodies, our holistic selves, so I would say, perceived danger and harm there's a physiological process that happens and we're not really aware of it until the symptom or the signs of it are occurring so for example our amygdala in our brain mm-hmm. you know that fight or flight fawn or freeze mechanism um, that's about survival it kicks in so our whole you know sympathetic nervous system and parasympathetic n- nervous system start to kick in and all these things start to happen so adrenaline increases you know, our heart beats increase, our prefrontal cortex, our rational thinking really goes offline. Mm, We're mm. in survival state, you know, so our bodies experience it first and then emotions, and then our thoughts and rational thinking come back after the fact. But if we don't process out that trauma then it stays in our bodies, in our cells, And, you know, epigenetics is now showing us that we take on the trauma of generations. It really mm-hmm. is in ourselves. It's part of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not often understood. But Peter Levine, he's he's a forerunner, a pioneer in this field. And, yeah. you know, and he's has pointed out what's been there all along, that in nature, you know, the animals have been created in such a way that, they can release trauma. So when, you know, a carnivore is chasing, I don't know, let's say a gazelle or a zebra. Okay. But the carnivore, for whatever reason, isn't successful. So that gazelle or zebra still lives. Immediately, they just shake all over. It's like an instant shake, their body, like these tremors. And that's releasing the cortisol and the adrenaline, and it's processing out. It's moving all that out of their bodies. And then they just skip off and live their beautiful, happy lives. But human beings, we don't do that, do we? We often yeah. don't know how to heal. Or we're often ashamed. So in sex, sexual abuse, I mean, that, that's the shame. So we actually put more on ourselves and, and we close in and we collapse inward. Um, and it, it's a sad thing it's It's because it's so harmful that trauma. yeah, when you talk about the shaking, uh, another OBGYN reference for you know women who've had babies that are listening, the shakes that you get immediately after delivery. And you know you have so much adrenaline pumping through your 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 veins. It's just like you can't stop shaking, but it's such a happy um and for some, you know, it's such a blissful moment, um usually. Um, that's that's very interesting that animals just kind of shake it off. Like literally, they shake it off and then keep on moving. How does one begin? I mean, we hear about, you know, repressed memories and, and repress suppressing, you know, those thoughts and those feelings. And I know it should be done in a safe way, but if someone starts to have kind of flashbacks or they're starting to get remembrances of, of some trauma that has happened before, what should they do? I mean, should they, do they acknowledge it? Do they go talk with a therapist? What do you think? How do they proceed? Well, in the specific context that you just gave, I absolutely, they should seek out a trauma-informed specialist mm. to help them work through it. Okay you know someone that will come along beside them and perhaps go before them and guide them through it. Okay, so Dr. Love, you just said a trauma informed specialist. Now I know there's a lot of, you know, mental health therapists, uh, practitioners out there. You know, we have psychiatrists, psychologists, licensed social workers, and you know, lots of folks. What is a a trauma certified or trauma-specialized practitioner? What makes them different? So actually trauma, the phrase trauma-informed has become more popular um, maybe a couple years before COVID, but absolutely since COVID. So it's it's not, I mean, sure there are certifications in it and I have some of those myself, but Mm -hmm. being trauma-informed is 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 learning, being educated, to have a a concept and a lens that people coming to us may have severe hurt that we don't know about. Therefore, let's be more sensitive to their needs. Mm. So the trauma-informed, it's being incorporated into, not enough, but it's starting into our prison systems, um, public educational systems, you know, in um, continuing education for social workers and all through the medical field and social science fields. Yeah, I'm I'm hearing more about also new therapies like EMDR and somatic therapy um, that is specific for for those who are trying to heal from trauma. I love that. That's a focus of yours for so long, especially in the African-American community. I mean, we have been traumatized as as a people and we've dealt with such trauma and we refuse to get help for the most part. We don't look at therapy or mental health um, modalities as something that we need. We don't want to admit, you know, that we have an issue. And you know we're there are other reasons that we are some of the the sickest, uh, lots of reasons. But I I really feel in my heart that not addressing the trauma has adversely affected our health way more, way more than than we'll ever realize. Well, I'll say than we'll ever realize. But there are people like you who are doing the research and are showing us how exactly it's affecting us. So again, thank you for your dedication to that. I mean that absolutely the collective trauma of black Americans cannot be understated. Yeah. 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 I will just say and you're you're talking about love and, and trauma. And I know, you know, I love your website is great and, and we'll give that it'll be in the show notes and you can shout it out mm-hmm. at the end. But one thing that I feel like you um champion is is giving yourself grace. Uh, we are so hard on ourselves, you know. I, I can I can say that, you know, I'm a recovering perfectionist. Um so why is it important that we kind of just give ourselves a break? Not necessarily let ourselves off of the hook, but give ourselves some grace. Well, let me go back a little bit and put it in the context. Of the what I've found in my experience that most people don't seek out help or don't seek out professional help until they're in crisis. Mm-hmm. Good point. So if they have PTSD, for example, um, it's it reaches a point where they can't live. It's it's really interfering with what they conceive as a quote normal life. Right. Right. And there's still a stigma in our culture about mental health. You know it. That something is wrong with us if we have, you know, if we're sad or depressed or whatnot. So, I think that's you know, re educating a whole culture, right? right? Agreed. But, you know, self love is saying, I need help, I need support. Healing comes through connection, and often, if we don't know how to heal ourselves, and many times we don't know how, uh, we need. We need another source, God, a friend, a professional, you know, a family member or whatnot to help us through it. So how do we give ourselves grace? How do we give ourselves Yeah, grace? Give me an example. Um, you know, all right, I had a hard day at work. Maybe I didn't have a great outcome and I'm beating myself up. What can I tell myself to just kind of put the brakes on beating myself up? Well, in the context of perfection, uh, humor. Oh, I love it. Uh, Nicole, get a grip. You're really not all that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're not perfect, so why do you try to be? Yeah. You know, giving ourselves grace, you know, giving ourselves that allowance to be who we are, to really be us, to do you, you know. (laughs) <laughs> oh, to being ourselves, but oh man, uh, that, that actually is a whole nother show just being yeah, on. Yeah. Um, I, I want to inject, I really wanted to talk about this with you and I, I'm not sure if this is the right place, but imposter syndrome, Ah, imposter syndrome, perfectionism, giving ourselves grace. I do think this is a good time to talk about it. Give us like what your definition of it is. And how we can start to get over it? Well, what just came to me? Am I allowed to swear? <laughs> okay, you know, for me, it's been, you know, coming out and doing the things that I want to do, like even, you know, being a public figure, so to speak, right? Even doing this podcast, for example, in public, and, mm-hmm. you, you know, that voice in my head, who do you, who in the hell do you think you are, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And. And, like, taking humor and being aggressive and saying, shut up. It's that inner critic. Mm-hmm. You know, shut up. And actually, for me, what really does help is that when my eyes are focused on me, my eyes aren't focused on helping. Ah, that's good. Yeah. So good. Who, who are the people, you know, who, who I really want to help? You know, I, if, if I wait till I'm perfect or knowledgeable enough. So for me, a lot of it was being knowledgeable enough. I mean, I have so many certifications, girl. <laughs> I'm on paper. And <laughs> like people around me are like, just get out there and start doing yeah. it. that imposter syndrome, right? My yeah. sisters, I, I've been saying that just yesterday. I've, I've got more education, more certifications than anybody else I know. And I'm still, when I first started, I was like, I got to get more. Yeah. It's like, uh, you're, enough. you're no, enough. I'm enough. In this moment, you know, for those who need to hear me or be with me or for me to connect with right now, I'm enough. Hmm. And again, that for me, that self-love, the way of beginning health, like, like health for ourselves, is really understanding who we are in God. You know, that that I am loved, I am valuable, I am worthy, I love yeah, I'm loved and I am love. Yeah. And when when we understand that, that no matter what, you know, unconditional love, like we started in the beginning, that is the only constant. And when I'm aligning with that, when I'm in that love, I'm not gonna be swayed, you know, and that's where healing begins. Mm. I I like that. As you were talking, I was just thinking that something that helped me get over the imposter syndrome is knowing that God created me for a purpose. And I am uniquely created for what he has me to do. And I have gifts and really focusing on that. It empowers me. There's something that I know I'm just good at. I'm good at connecting with people. I have an excellent memory. I will remember the craziest, wackiest things about people. I, I have a good memory and that serves me well in what I do. And so I can be proud of my gifts. I can feel the love when I see that God is working through me and in me. Uh, and so I love the the spiritual aspect to what you're, you're sharing uh, with us today. This is kind of an off question what is probably one of the toughest things that, that you had to deal, deal with in life or one of the toughest things that you had to overcome? And, and, and how did you do that? Yeah, so I was thinking um, this morning, getting ready for this, what I wanted to share, what, what I should share and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's real truth in that saying that those who love much have suffered much. Mm -hmm. Okay. And again, in our feel good culture, even a lot of our Christian doctrine out there, I mean, dogma out there, you know, we run away from pain. We run away from grief and sorrow, but it's really the same sides of the same coin, you know? So for me, love comes out of deep hurt and deep pain. One of the hard, so I did, I had lost a baby when I was, or the baby was 20 weeks just gest, in gestation mm-hmm. and so that was good. difficult, but it was far harder. You know, I, I only knew that, that baby, what, maybe 16 weeks or something, you know, 17 mm-hmm. weeks, mm-hmm. Well, but it was far harder when I lost my son who I've known for 20 years mm. and it was sudden, you know, not unexpected. and. You know, grief now, it's a part of me. It's a part of my makeup. And yet through deep sorrow and grief, oh, do I know love in a different way, in a more profound way than I ever did before. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So that that's by far the most difficult thing I've been through. Yeah. And that occurred um, almost eight years ago. Yeah. That's probably one of the toughest things to lose a child. I I mean that for me, you know, I don't toughness. I know people say that and I do believe that's probably so. You know, I've I've known the love of God during those experiences Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. I never would have otherwise. Wow. And it's not that I would ever ask for those experiences. Absolutely. To want to, and yet you know, my closeness with spirit and, you know, in God, Jesus is the depth of the relationship is intimate through because of those experiences. Yeah. Yeah. We draw close to him. Yeah. <clears throat> that That's just beautiful that out of such a traumatic experience, you can see something so positive. Um, because, you know, a part of the grief response is getting angry. Um, and some people live in that anger, but to see it um, as an expression—well, not an expression—but to see it, uh, see it as an opportunity for God to to draw you close and to love you and, and pull you through that—that's a game changer. Yes. That's a game yeah. changer. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of my scholarship has turned about um, sex trafficking. Yeah, so, yeah. So you know. Working with and you know, reading memoirs of women who have been sex trafficked. And uh, my dissertation talks about transforming trauma to transcendence. Mm. And I really think that that's a, our, um, like the fullness of wellness, that flourishing. And I love um, Dr. Lorena White. Oh, I got to meet her. Yeah, <laughs> don't you love her? Yeah, yeah. see you balance with Yeah, yeah. But um, eudaimonia, you know, I use that too, uh, and I, I just have to read this. I did pull this out. So eudaimonia, just for your listeners, um, it's a Greek word from that guy millennia ago, Aristotle, and it's a be- it's, it's human flourishing. Yeah, um, and yep. it was much more in a like. When he said it or meant it, Aristotle, it was about self-actualization and virtue and ethics. But more recently, C.S. Lewis, that famous theologian, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he brings in also spiritual awareness and allowing one's own pain to be used for the good of others is love mm-hmm. and in plus is happiness. You know, so for me, tra- the transformation, you know, the fullest transformation of health is when we heal and then part of our healing becomes helping others. Wow. So have you actually worked with women who were sex trafficked and have transcended that experience? I have. I have. I founded uh, a nonprofit, the Love LOV Foundation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we had had a home. Um, in which we gave holistic care to women in their healing process. And then also I've been around the globe and talked to women all over. The stories are the same. Hmm. The ethnicity, the geography, the cultures are all different, but the pain is the same. So going back to shame, it's the pain of sh- I mean, on top, the pain of shame. And self love. So this, you know, this is a complete like circle to what we've been talking about. And for any of your listeners who perhaps have not been sex trafficked, but have experienced something in which they feel shame, is to and I I, I get emotional with it. Allow yeah. yourself to to let it go, forgive yourself and any complicity that you may think. We're actually probably more like You've imagined and made up that you had part in that. Right. Let, right. It go. let it go and allow yourself to be healed. And just from the work, and I want to hear you say this on record, they can let it go and they can heal. They can heal. Is that correct? So I, I mean, I've studied memoir of women globally. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm are sex traffic and sexually abused and physically abused and verbally abused and yes yes they still hurt okay. so I, I I definitely need to put that in there it's you know it's not that they are Pollyannas actually just the opposite I think because they're working with other women and girls and they know they empathize with them because they were through that themselves so they understand, like Jesus was a man of sorrows, and Jesus wept when Lazarus died. Yeah, right, because he could empathize with what they were feeling—that their brother had died, Mary, and whatnot. Um, but in that, there's healing. So again, two sides of the coin: the depth of healing, because I've known depth of pain. Does that make sense? It, it, it almost doesn't make sense, but it's the truth. Yeah. And you've said that a few times, you know, the, the pain is the same. Ooh. this is powerful. I don't, I, don't, I don't think I've <laughs> ever like, I teared up a little bit on this podcast. Um, yeah. So yeah, we we took you there, Um, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, it, and again, let's, let's go back. I mean, women are not talking about not having orgasms women are not talking about the depths of pain that they're going through in our culture in the mental health field and in public culture, shake it off means you just stop thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't deal with it. You just, you just just go on and live. Yeah. 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 But it is heavy. And so many, so many are experiencing that. That's one thing that as an OBGYN, I, I, I would go there and specifically ask targeted questions, you know, have you been sexually abused, you know, and we talk about, you know, sex and pleasure. Have you had an orgasm and, you know, have you been sexually assaulted? And to see the pain when someone has silenced themselves and suppressed it, to see it actually come out, like physically come out in that moment. Um uh, and I've I've said it a few times. We've had to we've had to step out, you know, leave let the patient gather themselves. I'll go on to another patient. I'll have my medical assistant sit with her and we'll come in. I mean, it can shut that room down for 30, 40 minutes because that pain just kind of bubbles up. Um, but you know, just to put a, a happy note on this, once you get that out, there's freedom in that. There's definitely freedom in that. We've got a problem, y'all. There is too much to do and not enough time. Your personal life takes a back seat to a profession that you have spent decades training for. Your calling seems to be burdensome in a system that does not prioritize your well-being. You do not have to live this way. When you take care of patients, who takes care of you? I'm Dr. V, a burnout consultant, and you need me as your personal coach. I take care of the healthcare provider that takes care of everybody else. Go to office visits with drv.com and click on the coaching tab. Schedule a free discovery interview so I can learn more about the life that you need to be fulfilled. So, you know, we're gonna close our episode. This has been so great. Nicole Michelle Apple, PhD, Dr. Love. Leave us with with some positive and hopeful news that you can share with the listeners. Wow. So you are worthy to be loved and you are valued and you are perfect just the way you are. Mm. Believe that. Believe. 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 Believe that. Well, thank you so much again for coming on. How can my listeners um, follow you or get in touch with you? Yeah, I would I would love to connect with your listeners because if they align with you, I know I would like them too. Absolutely. <laughs> I have great Nicole. listeners. Yes. Presently my my website is Nicole Michelle. So Nicole has no e. So NicoleMichelle.com. I'm right now I'm putting together Dr. Love. So Love has no E either. Um, so doctorslove.life. Love dot life. Um, you can also reach me. Um, well, actually, if you go to the websites, they'll be able to see, yeah, well on Facebook and Instagram as Dr. Love. And, and that's the- Dr. L-O-V. 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 Okay. Yeah. L-O-V, no E. L-O-V, L-O-V, no. L-O-V, no E. And Nicole has no E either. I'll be saying that the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to close this out. All of the ways to contact Dr. Love will be in the show notes. And... Uh, You know, guys, for those who are listening, I know this touched on some things that, you know, people don't really talk about. I hope this might have stirred up something in you or if you know someone that might be dealing with something um, that we've addressed today, please uh, share this episode. You can hit the two little buttons up in the right hand corner. Then there's a whole little menu of things you can do and you hit share and you all you have to do is just send it to them via text. We need to get this out into the world, and women uh, need to 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 let go of the shame and the pain and so again, thank you so much for um, being a guest on my <laughs> contents well, thank you for this office visit. yeah, you're welcome. you're welcome. And thank you for coming to my office. so guys, we will be here every Tuesday, every Tuesday morning, we're launching a new episode. And again, uh, we are now on TikTok and YouTube. So if you want to see what Dr. Love looks like, just go on over to YouTube. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you. Welcome. Thanks for listening to Office Visits with Dr. V. I would love to stay connected. So please follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Office Visits with Dr. V. And on LinkedIn at Benita Vernado. MD. share this information with your friends and colleagues like and subscribe you know the drill also go to office visits with drv.com backslash connect and leave your email to receive updates on everything that dr v is doing to introduce you to your new life